And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You'll be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co host, Rich Hammond Rich. How are we doing? Jordan, we're back. We're back. We had a little bit of a break. You didn't get a break. You never get a break. <laughs> the Rams won the Super Bowl. The parade was a couple days later. You're off to Indianapolis a couple days later. Come back. I drag you to this journalism convention where you where you drove all the way to Long Beach to help us out. Now you're back working. Now we're making you do a podcast. <laughs> well, welcome to your off season, Jordan. How's it going so far? Ooh, it feels great to be here, man. Great to be here. Um, <laughs> as we started this podcast, I said, Rich, I'm fine. I'm I am not. Uh, I'm not unwell. I just sound like absolute shit. So (laughs) apologies in advance uh, to everybody, although this might be a a Phoebe Buffay situation where I actually sound better with my voice all scratchy. Um, I'll sing a rendition of Smelly Cat later just so we can maybe (laughs) try to feel it out. Yeah, Rich, um, three weeks ago, the Rams won the Super Bowl. What? Has it really been that little of time? Because it feels like years at this point. It actually does. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I couldn't even remember the last time that we did the the podcast. But boy, that's life in the NFL, right? I mean, you just you're just on to the next thing. I mean, there really is no off season, which is uh, certainly by design. That's exactly the way the NFL wants it because the NFL always wants to stay in the limelight and and have uh, people like you continuing to work uh, all off season long. So, Jordan, we got a ton of stuff to jump into here, and a lot of it is going to be based off of this story that you wrote that just got published uh, Monday morning as we record here. Jordan was in Indianapolis at the Combine for a few days, even though most of the Rams people were not, uh, (laughs) but uh, still got some amazing insight from there. First of all, everybody needs to go check out uh, this column because it's it's like uh, I was trying to think of a good food metaphor, Jordan, because I know I know how much we like our food metaphors. I'm going to say it's like a it's like a very uh, it's like a New York deli sandwich. There's just so much meat uh, in in the in between the bread. There's it's not a lot of bread that you're going to discard. It's just full of pastrami and corned beef and, nice. and all this good stuff. Yeah. So let's just start diving in, Jordan, because there's so much that's going on with the Rams right now. I even made a little list, and I mean, we can run down everything, right? Aaron Donald, what's going to happen there? Is he going to retire? Is he going to get a new contract? Matthew Stafford is going to come back, but is he going to get a contract extension? How long is it going to be? How much is it going to be worth? Odell Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller, are these guys going to be back? Joe Noteboom, what's going to happen if Andrew Whitworth retires and and they need a left tackle? Uh, Sean McVay, we now found out uh, he's <laughs> committed to himself to coming back, which doesn't surprise anybody who listened to 
our last podcast, uh, but he, that was confirmed over the past uh, few days here. And then I think finally uh, his staff of assistant coaches starting to take shape. A couple new hires confirmed uh, over the past week. Still a couple uh, positions open that may be filled internally or what have you. Jordan, oh my goodness. So much. <laughs> Spin the roulette wheel here. I mean, what should we start talking about first? A lot of your uh, column today was focused on Matthew Stafford. And I know as these things happen, some of it gets twisted out of context or gets pulled out of improper you know, order. So maybe let's start there. What, what do we need to know about Matthew Stafford in this contract extension? Kind of what's the timeline here and, and what should people loosely expect with some of these numbers? Yes. Yeah, so allow me to set the scene for you because last week, so yes, I was in Indianapolis last week. As you guys know, because we've we've talked about it before, the combine is really unique in that there are reasons certainly to go. And and a lot of people have built fantastic businesses out of covering the prospects themselves, where the Rams themselves are particularly concerned. For me, this was less about covering a team with a first or second round pick and who that might be, and, and much more about getting to know some of the assistants that were there, a lot of the scouts that were there. The medical staff was there and basically going on recon missions, essentially uh, fact finding missions, because there are a lot of people that you do see agents for people that you cover agents for people that are on other teams, coaches, executives, all of these conversations are are happening right now um, in these can, in these rooms. Can I just jump in and because a lot of people there there was a great column on our on our website about the Starbucks at the yeah. Indianapolis, <laughs> but but people maybe don't understand what this is like. I mean, this is not everybody in one room. You're in a giant convention center, the Indianapolis Convention Center, and you are just I don't know how many steps you you put together over those days that you were there. But can you just kind of set that scene a little bit too, where you know you're just walking down hallways, or you're hanging out in hallways, you know. People People walk by, you casually see them. I mean, what what are those days like? Yeah, it's not it's some some of it's like, oh, you set a meeting here and there with people who you usually are in, in constant contact with. And for me, that's a couple of agents, a couple of coaches here and elsewhere, uh and, and scouts and executives. But you also you're constantly moving. It's a big skyway system there. So everything is connected by these tunnels, uh, or these above ground tunnels, uh, which is delightful, by the way. And yeah you can't avoid people and they can't avoid you probably more importantly. <laughs> and you basically are, are just gathering Intel the entire time. If, if you're doing it the way that I, I did, I, you know, you choose which way you're going to do it. For me, I chose not to focus so much on the prospects. I thought it's probably too late in the year for me to ever catch up ever on the draft at this point. So for me, that'll be a, a learn as you go a process, you know, in the next couple of weeks, but in terms of free agency, in terms of what's happening with the team I cover right now, from all of that type of perspective, this is fact finding. So you're running around, I think I average like 22,000 steps a day, oh but you're also, it's not just during the day. You, you show up really early. You stand in that same line that everyone else is, you know, you ordering coffee behind, uh, you know, the jam of the Vikings. And then you, you go and, and you kind of go about your day and you, and you meet people and you see people and you inter- do interviews and, and all kinds of things. You catch people as they come off of Radio Row. I had a great conversation with Brandon Bean uh, in, in that regard last week. And um, it was great catching up with him. I covered him for a while. He's doing a good job up in Buffalo. And it, it's just, you, you see people, you know, saw, saw Brad Holmes, got to catch up with a lot of people. 
And then, and then, and then you eat something. And, and for us, it was cool because the athletic scheduled a couple of dinners and, and then you scheduled dinners with reporters who are your friends or, or executives. And then you go out again. But this time you're not in the convention center. You're roaming the streets of Indianapolis and there's these centralized locations, um, restaurants and bars that everybody goes to. It's the watering hole where everyone goes to unwind. And it's a very casual setting where you you learn and you meet people and, and ran into so many people through the course of the last week. And it's all, but it's all for the purpose of gathering information and, and yes, yeah, seeing people and, and saying, hey man, it's been two years, man. Like great to see you and all kinds of stuff, but also, you know, <laughs> gathering information um, and important information because um, this is where so many of those conversations do happen. Now, the Rams, they do things differently as as we've covered. I've written about this extensively. They do not uh, go to the combine. This is something that they sort of started in 2019 and carried through no combine, obviously, in 2020 and then carried through 2020, this this particular offseason. And they, they, first of all, they're behind. It's a good problem for them to have. They won the Super Bowl. So Les Snead and Sean McFace and, and some of their assistant coaches stay behind. Some of their executives stay behind and get the rest of their offseason in order, essentially, because they've just been doing the business of winning a Super Bowl. But they also get sent this major just offload of data from the combine of these prospects. And they have their own ways of disseminating that data. And they value, they don't value so much Think some of the things that do take extra time away from them. Some of the networking stuff. They have their networks. Someone asked me, uh, "Aren't you? You know, wouldn't it be a worry that they're not talking about trades with people?" And I'm like, "Well, they don't have an issue not being in person and making trades. I mean, that's how this this last season happened, right? Like they have virtual networks that they rely on and are in constant communication with. And they also have their own people gathering intel. If I'm able to gather intel, they're also sending people um, that specifically are there to gather intel on things that are that are happening. And I did run in, it was optional for assistant coaches to come. I did run into quite a few of them. Um, uh, Thomas Brown and Eric Henderson also were honored by the NFL. Thomas Brown won running backs coach of the year and Eric Henderson won defensive line coach of the year. So it was necessary too that they go to accept those awards in front of the groups of their peers. I will get to some of the coaching staff stuff and the changes, but basically it was a, a, a an optional event for them to go to. Not optional is the medical staff. The medical staff was there for a week and a half, which is brutal, but wow. that's the most crucial aspect of the combine is, is gathering the da- this data on the prospects that they then match and run through their own sort of algorithms and programming as it pertains to who these prospects are and how they're building them. And it's also not like the Rams aren't meeting with prospects. They are. They're talking to they're talking to people. They're allowed a certain number of virtual visits. They, of course, have had their scouts out um, going to, you know, they're going to be going to pro days. They've been, they've been at schools and and working those networks as well. So it's not like the Rams like don't care about the combine. What I would say, they don't care about sort of the time suck that can happen at the combine. Right. I will say though, on the flip side, ran into Kevin O'Connell and, and their new staff, Wes Phillips, and a lot of those guys. That was super valuable for them to have that time because Kevin and Wes came in late, obviously being a part of the Super Bowl team. And there's a bonding period and a learning how to work in person with people period that happens, particularly when you're in a space like that that's um, that's extremely filled with just noise <laughs> all the time. And so it was really I, – I do think that that part of it uh, is, is really important and was really important and something that they valued. I think Wes Phillips won an award too, um, but I didn't, I didn't confirm that. But you had asked me about Matthew Stafford a, a, several minutes ago, but I just wanted to reemphasize 
you guys, like this, it's insane. No city would ever do it better than Indianapolis because of the way that everything in the city is connected to each other. And nobody in the NFL wants it to move. There's a potential that it moves to LA or Dallas. There is no way. And I love, I love dearly living in Los Angeles. You guys know this, but no city would do a combine the way that Indianapolis does a combine. Yeah, yeah, and everybody'd have to relearn all the haunts. Like you, you, nobody would know where to go at night. Like they'd have to reestablish themselves in in a new city. Yeah, you wouldn't know where to. Where's the new St. Elmo's? I mean, you have to uh, figure that out in L.A. But yeah, it's a great um, centralized location too, and everything right there. The convention center, the uh, the stadium being right across the street. You're right in downtown. It's it's easy access. Yeah, it's it's a as long as it's not 25 degrees, which I don't think it was. It was like it was 60 degrees. It was balmy. It was wonderful out there. Yeah. Like I no notes. Yeah, it was great. It was a great (laughs) time. I I had a I I I cannot believe that I'm continuing to put my brain and my body through this these types of things uh, this late in the year. But at the same time, learned so much things that we can share now, things that I can use now, things that will become very helpful down the road. It it just is a fascinating uh, fact finding mission. It's, it's a little bit of sociology. It's a little bit of, of studying people and patterns. It's a lot of sleuthing and, and digging into things and cross-referencing. And when you see a report like the one that I had this morning, it is days and days and days of lots of conversations that you're cross-referencing off of each other right. to, to narrow it into what actually is real. Um, and that's exactly what a lot of these GMs and assistants are doing right now. Right. I was going to say that's it's the same kind of thing for them. It's not a matter of you're missing out on anything. I mean, these it's not like they're, you know, sitting in a room going, OK, now it's time to talk about trade. You know, who do yeah. you want to give up? Yeah. Who do you want to give? Like, that's not really how it goes. I mean, those are conversations that go on uh, constantly. It doesn't mean that just because everybody's in one place. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's always a big plate for, for networking, too, especially when you talk about some of these assistant coaches. I mean, you start to make connections and things like that. Yeah, at Prime 47, which is the main sort of haunt uh, of everybody in the league during that time, it was about, uh, it was very late. It was very late. And Kevin O'Connell was trying to close his tab and he couldn't because he kept getting approached and handed resumes. And someone with the, <laughs> someone with the Rams uh, told me two years ago, or right when I joined, that the combine, they were kind of moving away from it. And in part, and the Senior Bowl and all that, and not because the events aren't valuable, but because... Sean could not go anywhere because right. people people would come up to him and try to get jobs and they they could be you know high ranking employees of other teams and they would just right. be coming up to him so Kevin mentioned that he had at one point gotten 600 resumes over the last 11 oh. days wow. and this guy as he's trying to close his tab like positions himself in between Kevin and the bar and introduces himself and and you know what and I appreciate that I'm not knocking this guy at all it was right. it was bold and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do especially these jobs are so rare but right. he shakes Kevin Kevin O'Connell's hand and he goes excuse my language he goes I would fucking die to work for you and I was like you know I witnessed it I respect it I'm just going to walk away right. <laughs> yeah and you know Kevin handled it really gracefully and asked for right. his name and and all of right. this stuff and right. um and I'm that sure was- that's a overwhelming 
situation. But that's when he said, you know, I've gotten about 600 resumes in the last 11 days. And, um, it was, it was, it was insane. So I think when we talk about the concept of time management and what the time is going for, again, it is very valuable for, for that staff to all be together in one spot right now in terms of where the Rams are at in their build and, and sort of what their priorities are and also where they're drafting. Um, right. Where they're drafting does have a part, a, play a part in it as well. That would to them be more of sort of a social, a social event, um, which they've deemed sort of unnecessary. Yeah. Wow. What a story. That's a great story. I, I hope that works out for Tom Brady, too. I mean, that's a bold move for him to, to try that. But uh, no. oh, shoot. Did I say that out loud? No. Sipping, sipping on his uh, his avocado yes. juice with a yes, little strawberry exactly. on the rim. Yeah, in yeah. movie making. Um, uh, maybe there's a little bit of p- uh, pivot there. We can, but uh, that's that's amazing insight. And sometimes I forget the people. Uh, you know, it's it's and unless you've been there, you don't quite know what a what a scene it is. I remember the first year I went, it was just overwhelming. It was like I don't even know where to go. I don't know this place is so big. There's people everywhere. Where do I camp out? Where you know how do I how do I catch the most people? It's like it's like fishing. Sometimes you you have to find the right spot and and find out there was that corridor between the between the hotel and the convention center where you go. Okay, everybody's gonna walk through here so you you kind of camp out there for a little bit or maybe you go where they're uh, doing the the testing because you know everybody's sitting there watching and it's a, it's a very like you said it's a, it's a sociological uh, experiment too in a lot of ways yeah you have to just be okay with shamelessly lurking which I, yes. have, no, I have no qualms about so <laughs> it's like heaven for me i just get to go gather it be a detective gather information and right. and have no qualms about just lurking you know lurking. yes yes well, <laughs> i'm a lurker awesome. yes well <laughs> look it all paid off like we said in this in this uh gigantic uh, notes column that's just chock full of stuff looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's, you know, because it is out there and we, we want to make sure that it's out there accurately. Yes, um, thank you. You know, we've, we've been talking for a while, ever since the trade, really, uh, with Matthew Stafford about um, how, yes, the contract was coming up. But from the from the earliest hours, really, the Rams had been looking at doing an extension. Um, and it looks like that's kind of coming to pass very soon here. It would I think would probably be surprising if it didn't at this point. So where where are we there, Jordan? And, and what are kind of the implications here for the Rams is because this is going to be a big whatever the number is and we can i'm sure you're going to go into some detail about that but whatever the number is it's going to be significant and it's going to have an impact on on the rest of the salary cap situation so so what uh what's the situation there right now yeah it's it's a priority but i i also didn't get the sense that they're in a rush and part of that i think is there is going to be such an interesting ripple effect with with how quarterbacks are paid the market sort of got reset a little bit uh in the last couple of seasons with guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes getting their deals done. Um, and, you know, I probably I probably wouldn't place Matthew in that like up and coming 10 year, you know, extension conversation at all. But he did just win a Super Bowl. The Rams would like him around longer term. We'll get to it in a minute. But there's also some some ramifications for the length of the contract as it pertains to Sean McVay and his future and the decisions that he makes. So something that they very much have as a priority to get done. It's just not necessarily um, I don't think that they're rushing on it because there are other guys, Derek Carr and and Kirk Cousins and um, sometimes you want to see and Aaron Rodgers wants more money and you want to see kind of where those situations are at fully before you maybe make any moves because you you don't want to then reset a new market, right? Like you you want to be, if you're the team, you want to get it done. And, and obviously I think he'll be paid very well, but you also don't want to sit there and say record setting money. And then that becomes the new baseline for everybody else. And then sometimes that's fine. Sometimes then everyone else pays more and then you look like more team friendly. But in terms of how it works with your roster and your structure, you have to be very cognizant of that as well. So with Matthew, the range that that I kept getting was at or under 35 between that and with a ceiling about 45 million per year. And I think that I would personally be surprised if it was that high. I think we're looking more realistically around 40 um, in terms of what we'll actually see when that number comes out. A lot of people told me that they would be shocked if it were under 40. That being said, there are some, again, there are some roster building parameters to to think of here. And Matthew Stafford is certainly aware of those things. And his representation has done deals with Drew Brees in the past, for example, where there has been some wiggle room demanded by the quarterback in order for the rest of the roster to sort of stay the same. And the Rams have been clear about their their hopes to run it back and, and all of these things. So I think that that 
Matthew's own personality where it's not like he's out here making demands. Like he's just not that kind of guy. He's just not going to sit there and pound the table for 45 million a year. Now his representation can certainly pitch that as a high point and the Rams work with, you know, they'll pitch a low number and then they'll kind of work from there. And my sense is that the Rams would like to keep it you know, very low, um, <laughs> at or under 35 million and, and probably would pitch the under, honestly, if we're, if we're thinking about kind of the money they've had tied up in quarterbacks in the past. And I think that it's going to be, it's going to be interesting what it ultimately does end up as. Now, um, our esteemed colleague, uh, Vic Tafer, and then also our esteemed former colleague and, and still good friend, Vinny Bonsignor, They've been reporting Derek Carr at, at $40 million per year. I think that's probably around where you're looking at for, for Stafford. That being said, I don't think that that is structured in a way that hurts the Rams. You can do a lot of different things. So the one kind of cool thing, I just kept getting this uh, sort of similar commentary from everyone I talked to, whether it was a Ram source or a league source or an external source, it would always be, well, you know, something cool is going to happen with the money. Like they they could do this, they could do that, they could do this. Oh, oh, what if they tried this? Or what if they tried that? All kinds of different structuring hypotheses were presented. And I thought that was kind of cool because the Rams have kind of showed, and this is a lot of Kevin Demoff, Lestine, and Tony Pastors, they've showed that money is a real concept, but the way you pay people can be so varied and creative. And I think that that is something that you're definitely going to see. So it might not look the initial numbers of it might not look like what they really will be, but it, it's very, very interesting. So I, I think, you know, I would be surprised. I, I kind of echoed what other people were telling me. I, I agreed with the group of people that I surveyed that said, you know, would be would be really surprised if it were under 40. Now, that being said, Matthew Stafford could insert himself into things and say, hey, I know that this, ten, you know, 5 million, 10 million in savings is going to go directly to somebody else. I know how because he's been vocal about studying the, the team build. And so we could do it this way for now. Um, the, the timeline I also heard about a lot was uh, three, four years. My sense is that the Rams might be leaning more toward the three versus the four. Obviously, the representation for the player would want more security longer term. So I would imagine there's going to be some dialogue about three or four. And you never know. Sean McVay himself could maybe insert himself and say, what about two? Knowing that at some point he's going to be ready to take a break. And uh, another overwhelming theme was how connected he and Matthew Stafford are and sort of their timelines lining up because it, there is little belief that Sean McVay would walk away or take a break while Matthew Stafford is on this roster. Yeah, there, it's a there's, lot. A, <laughs> it's a, there's lot. a lot, Jordan. And yeah, it, there's and like you kind of were saying there, you know, competing interests sometimes too. people people have to remember that's you you have a player right even competing interest within a player right you look at Matthew Stafford and you say well of course he wants to make as much money um as he can but he also wants to have that roster uh, the the way that he wants it too so there's a little bit of a give and take there and then you know that puts some pressure on the agent side too because the agents like you just said i mean Matthew Stafford's agency working with Drew Brees, you're always looking to push that market up, 
right? And I dealt like with this in hockey for a long time when I covered uh, hockey. It's like you're always trying to push that ceiling a little bit higher for the top or even for the middle of of the whatever group that is, whether in hockey, whether it's a top goalie or a top defenseman. In in football, we're talking about a quarterback here. So it's 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 nice to think that oh well, why, don't, why doesn't everybody just get along? You know, we not me, right, guys? You know, just take <laughs> take less money for and and stay with the Rams. Well, it's not always that simple and it's, it's you know sometimes a, a player might even have that instinct also and and certainly an agent works for a player but uh, but the agent has a, a bigger picture in mind sometimes of, hey you know what this is going to impact the next guy this is going yeah. to impact the next generation by how these how these salaries is why it's it's a little bit of a cold way to look at it but it's it's also the reality so you can't just sit there and expect you know Matthew Stafford to take 30 million dollars because you know yay rams it's the right thing to do um you know certainly there's a little bit of that and he wants to come to a team that that's going to have a good off, offense around him and a good defense around him, for that matter, uh, to to take another shot at the Super Bowl. But it's it's not not quite that easy. So, wow, Jordan, these numbers. I mean, I forty million dollars for Derek Carr. I mean, no offense, but <laughs> my goodness. I mean, it's these. It's just uh, and. But but it, it it's about reading that room, right? I mean, when you talk about the urgency, you don't want to you don't want to be you usually don't want to be the first person to jump in the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but sometimes you don't want to be the last person either. So it's it's delicate to know kind of when is the time. Okay, when when is that market set? When are we comfortable with it? When can we uh, you know do it? It's it's not it's uh, it's got to be difficult. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I think back to conversations that you and I had, and then that we had with people with. In the in the Rams building last year, um, when Cooper Cup and Robert Woods' deals got done, yeah. where you thought this was, let's see, this was uh, actually, oh my gosh, it was almost almost two years ago at this point, right? This was right, this was before, uh, this was before they even made the trade. Yeah. Um, and you look at it, you looked at it with the context within the context of of Goff, right? And then the the roster building, you're like, oh yeah, that's a really solid. That's a really solid foundation. And Cooper Cup, I think you can argue, is like vastly underpaid at this point. But the Rams, if you look at it from a salary structure point, like the Rams, they have that a lot of that part, the the weapons that a quarterback often would want. Um, they've got that part sort of solidified and and locked in. And it's not just Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, it's also Van Jefferson, it's also Tyler Higby, it's also Odell Beckham, who they are, I think probably pretty confident. Sounds to me like they're pretty confident they'll be able to get something done with him. And he is also very, very eager to to rejoin the Rams and and really, I think, really found a piece, like just good, a piece of himself here that that he wants to continue to explore. And certainly want, I think for the player, you want to also be rehabbing with the, you know, widely regarded the best training staff in the NFL. And, and then there's also a plan for him. They, they, they've laid it all out. Like you return at this point, this seat, this time. And then you also then become sort of the, the boost that we needed from you this last year. That's why we acquired you, or that's why we, we signed you after you left Cleveland. And then you also sort of become this boost, uh, fresh legs and, and, and whatnot down the back half of the season. But I think you look at the the structure of these salaries and the money, even the even the high point. If we're looking at the high point of the money for for Matthew Stafford, because of the way that you can navigate other parts of this roster, 
I do, th- I think it's doable. And, and, and mm-hmm. I'm always for, you know, for me as on a personal human level, I'm always for players getting paid more money. I think that when we react to, even when players ask for money, um, I think that sometimes people react negatively to that, but, but really at the root of it, it's a reaction toward the cap. The cap is the structure in place that we are sort of, our brains are sort of taught to, to react against and to think, oh, that's yeah. it, that's set, so it must be right. In a perfect world, no cap, Stan Kroenke's like the richest guy, so pay everybody, <laughs> right? And that's kind of how it is, how it will probably become for co- be, for coaches now that these TV deals are so insane. Um, that's what it will probably start looking like or some of this NIL stuff that's happening. Like it's it's yeah. all starting to move forward into, into being modernized and I'm a little bit on a tangent, but I think that basically what I'm saying is I think that for Matthew, it would actually be reaching across in the sense of wanting this to work for some defensive players. We'll get to Von Miller here in a minute. Matthew's got, I mean, I, I don't think if the Rams want to keep the O-linemen that they that are pending free agents, they will keep them. I don't think that there is any any problem, any holdup. I think they could, they, they are, they're able to free up almost $70 million in cap space. I think that they are more than capable regardless of how much they pay Matthew Stafford, of keeping whichever parts of their offense they'd like to keep intact, keeping that intact. On the other side, though, and also fitting it around the contract, that whatever the contract they they give him, because again, I fully expect this to be creatively done. Um, on the other side of it, though, I think that when, when Matthew's thinking about, or if he is, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but if he is thinking about, okay, well, where, if I do take this savings, where, where does it go? I think you look directly at Von Miller. Aaron Donald, that exists in a vacuum. Aaron Donald's right. contract was, there was always going to be something, regardless of whether or not they won the Super Bowl this year, regardless of whether or not the retirement thing is happening. There was always a point in this contract where he's vastly underpaid okay. for, for the level of player that he is. That's pretty much, when you are at his level, there is usually a point in the contract where that happens. That was going to be this year. The conversation just became a lot louder because of what they accomplished and because of those rumors about possible retirement and all that. So that that contract sort of exists in a vacuum, right? What I think you're directly looking at is is Von Miller. And Rich, I know you've been following this along along with this as well. It's like Von Miller has been pretty publicly flirtatious, I think, with with other teams, and 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 that's fair. Again, like drive the player is, has every right and should drive up their their market as as much as they can. But I will say it's interesting within the context of of what the Rams uh, Rams and league sources told me when they traded for him and sent in a massive amount of capital to do so with the expectation that this would be a longer term partnership. Yeah. And that's look, uh, I think we mentioned this last episode too, and you just said it yourself, Jordan, at the end of the day, the players have to look out for themselves Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's, it's not a selfish thing. It's, it's not anything like that, but it's, they can't make decisions based on, you know, yay Rams. Let's, let's go do this again. Certainly that was, you know, I I think I tweeted about that during the parade, like, please don't, please don't read too much (laughs) in the comments that guys are making when they've been partying for the last three days and uh, things like that. Yeah. Also a good tip for the combine, by the way. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't read too much into, uh, comments on night five of the combine, right? Everybody is a little bit loopy, and uh, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, yeah, but yeah, certainly, 
everybody's different, right? And, and Von Miller's at the point of his career where he got his Super Bowl ring again. And now what is he valuing? And and that's really what you have to look at. What is he valuing at this point of his career and this point of his life? Does he want to go back to Denver? Is he happy in LA? Where does he feel like he's going to win is winning the most important thing right now? I don't know all of these questions he, he has to answer, uh, for, for himself. And yeah, it's, it's funny. Please folks don't read too much into Instagram. I know it's this thing where it's like, (laughs) Oh, as soon as somebody posts something like, Oh my goodness, what does this mean? I even saw it last week where like the Rams mascot posted something and everybody's like, what does this mean? What are they talking about? Rampage, a true delight delight to follow on Twitter. I will say. Yes. Yes. Rampage is awesome. My friend. Um, but it, it's like, it, please don't like, don't follow this too. It, there, there's a lot of moving parts and it's going to change, uh, uh, very quickly, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to think Jordan that the Rams are in this position. Cause like you said, uh, they, they can create the space. They can be flexible enough to bring these guys back. The question that you have to ask yourself sometimes is, is that the right thing to do? Um, and, and sometimes it's not. And, and I know run it back. Everybody's really excited about run it back, run it back, run it back. Sometimes it's not, it's best to not run it back. Sometimes it's best to take an honest look at yourself and say, what does this team need? The goal is to win the Super Bowl again. The goal is not to come back with the exact same roster. Uh, this team is going to look a little bit different if everybody's healthy. Uh, if, you know, Jordan Fuller comes back and, and is healthy, Robert Woods comes back and is healthy, depending on what happens at left tackle. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a minute. This is not the the Super Bowl team, the team that what I mean is the team that played in the Super Bowl is not the same team that's going to be week one of the 2022 regular season. So you have to take an honest look at your roster and say, what's going to get us there? What's going to get us to having the best roster that we can have uh, on on week one of the 22 regular season? Keeping in mind also that Odell Beckham Jr. might be a nice boost to come back Mm -hmm. uh, a a few weeks into the season or something like that. So. I, that's that's the only thing I would urge people to look at is just don't just keep your sight set on like, oh, my gosh, what can the Rams do to, to keep this all intact? Um, yes, I know that would be nice. And and some of the players would really like that, too. But but you have to uh, look at, at what makes sense. And, and, and if, you know, overpaying Von Miller, it costs you somebody else. If it costs you Joe Noteboom. Uh, then you probably don't want to do that. Uh, and and these are the kind of, you know, machinations that they're going through right now and trying to figure all that out. And my goodness, what? Yeah. and here we are, the free agency period right around the corner, you know, right? It's all I, happening. The wheel is rolling down. The, uh, the, the, no... the wheel of cheese and Greg Gaines are rolling down the hill and there's no <laughs> there's no stopping them. Yeah, but but you know what, Rich? And, and two, I would say that Joe Noteboom becomes one of their, you know, pending an announcement from Andrew Whitworth. I do think that Joe Noteboom becomes quietly like their highest priority or or yes, Joe Noteboom, but also that position in general. But I also, I think you just can't, it's hard for on their side of it. I don't think they have as their, their leverage with Von Miller is probably a healthy salary and Aaron Donald and playing next to Aaron Donald and the potential of winning another ring. That's, that's, those are all very good things. But in terms of the financial leverage, I do think that Von Miller has more, you know, Josina Anderson does a great job. She could, she reported that there were up to six teams who are interested that have the cap space that would be really, really interested in bringing him back. It's kind of like, well, what does he want in, in at this point in his career? Yeah, well, yeah. it wasn't his choice 
to come to the Rams in the first place. Right. It could well be his choice to stay there, depending on on what the offer is. But I think that would be a huge loss if the Rams weren't able to keep him. I, I think that in the context of the trade itself, anytime you win a Super Bowl, it heals any questions you had about the moves you made and what it took to get there. But the Rams were very clear that they wanted to continue their partnership with Von Miller, even regardless of whether or not they won the Super Bowl, regardless of whether or not any play, he was a monster down the stretch. And also an emotional leader who motivated, I think, Aaron Donald past even a certain point where he even knew was possible for himself. Because how do you, I mean, my God, how do you even motivate that guy any further? But like reached a, reached a part of his mind that I think few people have been able to do. And right. also was um, a really good balancing figure for their defense, allowed them to do so many different things schematically that their defense evolved into. And, and push, I think it, he made everybody around him from the coaches schematically to the players themselves. I think he made everybody around him better. That's so, so invaluable. And I think that context, that would be a huge loss. Um, mm-hmm. Regardless, I mean, you, you know, the, you could you could make the argue because Vaughn was one of their most valuable players through the entire postseason stretch. You cannot argue that point. Where you can make the argument is, okay, well, we're the, you know, two second round picks, or I, for, I forget now what it even was, second and third round picks. Were they worth a Super Bowl? Well, anything's worth a Super Bowl. Yes. But the point, yeah, absolutely they were. But yeah. the point is now we're in the context of that conversation if they can't keep him. And I think I do believe they did have to push that initial amount forward onto the table because the Broncos then acquired his entire salary minus $800,000. That's that's the big difference here. Von Miller won a Super Bowl playing for a team he didn't choose on $800,000. And this time around there's a choice here where you could be playing again for a Super Bowl for a team now that you choose. In this case, the Rams being very well set up, I think, to make another run at it. But now all the other variables are in your control, right? right? So so now what kinds of things do you do? But I do think to your point, Joe Noteboom, I mean, we because we've talked, we've, you know, the Rams have had to figure out things with Aaron and Matthew and, and Vaughn and Odell. And those are obviously the names that they went went toward and push push their chips in toward during this stretch of the season. But Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, um, Austin Corbett, you know, all of these guys, Brandon Powell, I think should be a priority re-signing. It's not, yeah. it doesn't mean he has to get a huge amount of money. And by the way, I think it would be another player who Stafford would be motivated to try to get back because he loves that guy. But these guys, these are the guys, and I think starting with Joe Noteboom, Obo Okoronkwo, like I think right. is a, would be should be a huge priority. Um, not again, not because they'll pay him, a, you know, an insane amount of money, but because there he lends something to this group and he's a part of something important. Um, as you look at the entire picture, as you said. The, the Robins, as Les Sneed would say, yeah. right? You got to have the Robins. You got to have the Batmans. Got to have the Robins. I miss Les. I miss hearing from him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, really important stuff. And and Jordan, let, let's keep going on Noteboom because like I'm really curious here. And I I swear to you, this is not me trying to stir the pot. I am. I am Ooh, we haven't had a good pot stirring in a while. So I am just genuinely <laughs> curious and I'm not trying to put you on the spot either, but I'm just genuinely curious what you think about this. Just the way that the Rams have approached this left tackle situation, because 
Andrew, you you know the reality is with Andrew Whitworth, right? As much as it might seem like it, uh, or might not seem like it, he was going to retire at some point, okay? Like, and you knew that that day was coming. It was probably going to be this year. It still probably is going to be this year, um, although we haven't had any official announcement. He keeps making noises in that direction that that he's, um, you know, probably going to be done. Um, and that leaves the Rams in a position where, they no longer have their stalwart left tackle, and they now also might not have the player who they drafted. Uh, what was that now? Four years ago, <laughs> thinking that he might eventually be Andrew Whitworth's replacement, thinking at the time that Whitworth was probably only going to play another year or two, not another four years. Um, and and now you risk having Joe Noteboom walk away. Um, now, I guess you'd look at A.J. Jackson as a possibility there. Uh, but now you're in a situation like you've just laid out, Jordan, where you're not only trying to do a Matthew Stafford contract, you're trying to do Aaron Donalds again, you're trying to bring back Odell Beckham, trying to bring back Von Miller, trying to bring back these other guys, Brandon Powell, Oboe, all these other people. And oh, by the way, you have to figure out what you're doing at left tackle, which is a pretty important position. Do you get any sense of like why the Rams approached that the way that they did? I'm I'm just one. I'm just literally just I, I'm not going anywhere with this. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, did did they want a year under Kevin Carberry to see like how this might look? Were they not sold on Joe Noteboom? Like what? Why? I guess the, the question is, why did we get to this point right now where there's a lot of unanswered questions still at that position? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was because Andrew Whitworth was so good for so long. And they they couldn't – when they signed him, when they initially brought him in, what, 2017, I mean, they knew he would be good. But, I mean, everyone was everyone oh, yeah. was telling – everyone in Cincinnati was telling Andrew, you know, that he was old. Oh, and, you, you were hoping you'd get a couple good yeah, years out maybe, of him. And, yeah, maybe. And also they were looking, too, for mentor, mentorship for Jared Goff. And, and Sean McVay was looking for that presence and that cornerstone guy. Andrew, of course, has been all of that, but he's been so much more than that on the field for them. And and, and it's been it's been really interesting because, you know, you, you draft – Joe Nopum is the guy you draft as the someday will take over. But then also you didn't expect – your your starting left tackle to be so good for so long no. and you're not going to you're not going to cut him just for the sake of of making room for the next guy especially if the, the first guy is so elite and playing at such an elite level and and I I think has has gotten even better like as as he's gotten older yeah. um which is which is wild and and something that most humans cannot possibly hope to even come close to achieving but it's it's so, that part I think that's really what it was and they kind of now are in this position where Joe has known for a while that he would be the guy to take over if and when Andrew does retire, but now he's got the leverage of knowing how much he would be needed because now they, you know, they didn't extend him in-house. I might have argued even doing it early, they couldn't obviously with the shrunken cap and, and everything. And I think that kind of threw, threw it off too is right. – Maybe extending him, pulling like what they did with with Cooper. Cooper has been really, really solid for them. They extended him, you know, maybe before they necessarily had to. Right. Um, and then now they look like geniuses because he had the triple crown season, you know. But but with Joe, I mean, and and that's the other thing. It's just not part of the the process. You usually would not extend a guy who doesn't play. Um, who can play but doesn't play, you know, while your starting left tackle still has time on his deal. So there re really was no, almost no way to win the situation. It's 
but it's also hasn't been a pro like it hasn't been a problem that they've had until all of a sudden it becomes one because now John Opum has leverage and he also knows that if they don't extend him they will have to probably bring somebody in and you probably would have to pay that guy more than you would pay Joe Noteboom because at right. that point, if you're parting with Joe Noteboom, your homegrown guy, agents see that and that's just like sharks swimming around chum. Like that's right. you you now know that a team is needs to find somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you, you know, I would also say too, because this team has taken some risks on its line that have paid off just in 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 crazy ways that we probably couldn't have predicted. Right, right. I would say that now what I've learned personally is to not rule out, you know, a guy like Alaric Jackson, who, you know, one person told me could be a future, you know, starting left tackle for them at a certain point. Now again, does that mean maybe you have Joe for you extend you try to you try to do something for two years and then but then you're facing a similar problem, you know? Right. If it's just it's very complicated in that there's some overlap that they didn't expect and that you can't really plan for. You have to plan for the worst case or the contingency plan in that scenario, but the worst case never happened. They, ha- In fact, they right. had the best case scenario. Right. And you can't, how do you plan for the best? You can't plan for the best case scenario in this league. You always have to plan for the worst. And so now, you know, they're, they're facing a quite an interesting situation. I do think that Joe becomes a priority for them. But I also, if, if, I'll say this: it's, I, instead of overpaying a non a non Joe Noteboom left tackle, I would actually I could actually see them going with Alaric Jackson versus overpaying a non Joe Noteboom left tackle. Now, if you want to spice it up for Joe Noteboom a little bit, I, I think they have less of an issue with that, considering how he's developed and the role that they've sort of stuck him in and his relative freshness in terms right. of, you know, not having a lot of wear and tear on his body. He had the injury injuries, but, but in terms of, um, you know, not taking just sort of the brutal hits and all of that, I think you could spice it up for him a little bit, but if they don't, I would actually see them st- placing a Lark Jackson in that seemingly impossible situation versus overpaying a left tackle who they, they know you're never going to get another Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. It's it, it certainly did not, and it's it speaks to how you you can't plan. I mean, you you can you can have ideas and you can have thoughts of how things might go, but they're never going to go according to plan. And and the Rams never thought they would be here with Andrew Whitworth right now. I mean, if you told them this was the scenario, they would have they would have done a backflip, you know, to to say, oh, okay, yeah, in twenty, you're going to be sitting here in twenty twenty two, and Andrew Whitworth is still going to be your left tackle, and you're going to be the Super Bowl champions. I, I think they would have taken that problem yeah. <laughs> uh, back in, in 2017, but it's certainly not what they expected. Like you said, Jordan, I mean, I was there and that that, that was not the expectation that this guy was still going to be here uh, in, in four years playing at, at a high level. It does surprise me a little bit just because in part, like you said, because they have been so proactive in these other areas um, that they didn't just, you know, try with Joe. And I, I shouldn't say they didn't try. That is it. That's the other thing on this. We, you know, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure that they didn't try. Maybe they did. Uh, but but, you know, trying to maybe get him for two more years just so you had something there, you know, just in case. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think a lot of this, Jordan, probably comes down to what is the market for Joe Noteboom out there? And and that's a really hard question to answer when you talk about a guy who uh, has has never really found a, a 
full-time home at any particular position in the NFL. He's bounced around a little bit as needed, uh, kind of that Swiss Army knife on that offensive line when different guys have gotten hurt or he's needed to fill in for a game or two. Uh, only started two games this season and has started 17 total in in four years. So what is that? How is that seen around the league of the 31 other teams? Do they see him as a guy who, hey, we're going to go sign this guy and he's we're going to plug him in as our left tackle? Do they value him mm-hmm. more than the Rams do? Uh, are they willing to pay him more than than the Rams would? I mean, these are things that it's, it's hard to. It's it's a great position for Joe Noboom to be yeah. in because you know <laughs> Joe, he, ba- Joe Banknote Boom. Am I right? <laughs> oh, great one, <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm We're gonna get tweeted that one. That I'm gonna let that sit for a minute. That, that was, was that it. was a good one. I did um, ta- to your to your question though. I did talk to a couple of of uh, team team personnel people, not non Rams, and also nobody freak out. The people I spoke to, they are not in the market for a left tackle, so do not worry. But I will say that um, this this came up, and this was a question that I had. For them, because of the position, what what you call position flexibility. Now, again, you want to be careful doing that with your linemen, I think. But if you have a guy who can do that pretty seamlessly, the thing that sticks out to people is that stretch in 2020 when he took over for Andrew Whitworth at left tackle when um, Andrew was recovering from the knee the knee injury, and you know it, it was so remarkable that he did return. Um, and played through that that short postseason run that year that we kind of forgot about what a great job Joe Noteboom did during that time. And then he came in, he had an opportunity to come in um, and and contribute in in certain ways as well this year. And and he looked solid doing it. And so I think that when, when I'm talking to these guys, it's like, well, no, you pay you pay a guy more because he can do that. Sure, you'd love to just keep him at one position, but you pay him more because he can do that for you. Um, and because he can there is it's on tape that he can do it well. And that's the thing. It's not just Joe and his and his agent going and saying, Well, oh yeah, no, I can do this. This is what I did at practice every day. You're just gonna have to take my word for it. Right, right. But it's the fact that that is a a proven body of work. His resume is out there. And I think too, you're looking at teams who you there is it is so you even see it in the in the Super Bowl maybe you can get to the Super Bowl with a crap offensive line um but you can't break through and it still is not proven that you can break through um if if your offensive line is is just wildly inconsistent and so the value of his position goes up but i also i i i am um you know especially this is a conversation that's happening i mean the, the fact that it's happening at the combine means that it's happening. And um, the the leverage point then becomes too, well, yeah, you know, he has done this before. We've all seen it. Everybody's seen that he can move and the injury history will, will scare, I think, some teams away, obviously. Um, and it won't scare the Rams away because they know they, again, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they measure every single piece of output that these guys do, um, and, and have, have all of that data in house. So, so it won't, it won't necessarily scare them away, but you know, that, that position flexibility, even though it was born of necessity is something that is very, very appealing. And I think of teams like Carolina, I think of teams who like, like Cincinnati, I think of teams who are, who are trying to rebuild and need, they just need guys. They need more than one guy. And sure, if he can be your long-term left tackle, great. 
but they just they need guys. And so yeah. that that is um I think something that's that's very interesting. But I do think it does increase I think it increases his external market with the Rams. It it would be him playing left tackle and all be all that is our that is the position that they will have him play. And so I think it it doesn't maybe do a ton internally, but externally it certainly looks good. Yeah. And and look, I I should say I I I feel like um I should give myself a, a some time in the penalty box, not not talking about the Rams offensive line anymore, because they, they certainly proved me wrong uh, over the last 12 months. And and some of the decisions that I thought they were taking chances on ended up working out really well. And still and, still could really use a, a really promising uh, young center who's cheap right about now. I'll, yeah, just say yeah. that. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> could have drafted one in the second round last year. I don't know. Uh, oh, gosh, darn it. I just said yeah. I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, and then you're I gonna, did it. How about, how about this? How about this? Oh, we're, we're just going to do it. You know what? We're just going to yeah. do it. The, fan, right, the right. fans wanted yeah. it. They, they've been, they've been asking for it. All yeah. right. How about this? You're bringing back Odell Beckham, who uh-huh. turns out to be just wonderful for you. Robert Woods is going to be healthy. You have Van Jefferson. Jacob Harris turned out to be really, really exciting before he got hurt. Um, oh, and you have Brandon Powell, who can be your kick and punt returner, and he actually better be. Otherwise, I really question the logic there. Yeah. So what are you going to do with Tutu Atwell? Where does he fit? Uh, uh, yeah, Where does he know. fit? So it's it's kind of like all right, well, yeah, but but um, you know, heard heard Creed Humphrey had a pretty good year. Just saying, just saying, <laughs> just putting it out there. <laughs> Brian Allen had a great year. I don't want to take anything yeah. away from him, but mm-hmm. you might not be able to re-sign him. Right, right, yeah. Just just throwing it out there. Yeah, just, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe some of that Deshaun Jackson money could have gone to uh, to one of these young guys too to re-sign them. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it, it worked out. They got the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were complain about. They were they were pretty good. They had a pretty good year. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. It was okay. I'll take it. Um, Jordan, before we uh, wrap up, I do want to talk about the some of the assistant coaching changes yeah. there. Is there anything else? I feel like I literally had this note card that I'm showing uh, Jordan on, on Zoom here of all the things I wanted to run down. Did we miss anything big from the combine other than stuff we want to talk about with the, with the staff? Uh, I did think it was interesting. The Rams kind of looked like they guessed correctly, I think. Well, it wasn't a guess, obviously, but a lot of the players, the way it was scheduled, the thing that's frustrating with the combine is – they don't schedule it to be beneficial at all to players. And so a lot of these workouts for some of these guys were scheduled like right after really stressful, like one-on-one periods or individual workouts. And they would have these testing numbers that you have to produce right after something else. And so I think a lot of players, like the running, the entire running backs group as a whole, most of the receivers are not doing some of these tests. Um, And so Again, sort of reiterating the point of who is this really for? And also, um, you know, if they're not if they're not doing the test, why would you be sitting there up in a up in a suite just waiting? Right. Um, it, it, especially when you're getting all of these numbers from their pro day, from the senior bowl, the shrine bowl, you're getting all of these numbers from these guys already. Um, and and you have all their tape. So I, I do think that that was kind of reiterated um some of the practices and processes that they that they do uh, within that specific context of, of how they're built and, and where they're picking. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, like Rams related. I mean, it was really interesting. You know, they just won the Super Bowl and it, nobody really did a, vic- a victory lap. Uh, one, I will say, I won't say his name. One of the assistant coaches did show up the first day um, in his Super Bowl issued 
sweatshirt <laughs> and then like went and changed really quickly because was getting crap for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, wow. Big, big deal. Yeah. yeah right, you know, yeah. you showed yeah. up to the combine wearing your Super Bowl issue sweatshirt, right. but then, but then went and changed really quick. Um, but, but I, I just, you know, I, it, it, it was interesting that it seemed like the year had restarted so quickly yeah, yeah. Um, after that, but, but so many questions still answered, but yeah, some, some staff stuff. I mean, man, Rich, this has been, they're, they're moving, they're moving and shuffling and hiring and, and all kinds of people in new, in new spots. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an annual tradition uh, for, yeah. for the Rams to, to see how that shakes out. And I had people, you know, just to set the table here, like uh, see people on, on Twitter sometimes, and I love you all, you know that, um, but, you know, getting upset, like, oh, why are these guys leaving after a year? Like, why doesn't Sean McVay get guys who are going to stay for a few years? This is the game. And Sean McVay understands the game. He's been a part of the game himself. Um, it's not about anybody being disloyal. Oil. Um, it's about like some of exactly what we've been talking about with the players. You want to put yourself in a good position, uh, but you also have ambitions in your career and, and there's a value in staying where you are and building, but there's a value in, in sometimes moving around. And certainly if you have the ability to move upward, you're not going to be hold yourself back artificially out of any loyalty uh, to anybody. And then that's just the way that it goes. And Sean McVay being a coach who got hired at 30 years old, as a head coach knows that as well as anybody. So let's not, let's not get that twisted uh, as we start, you know, talking about this. Uh, it's just the way it goes. And, and the Rams and Sean McVay know that um, as, as well as anybody, but yeah, Jordan, some, some interesting moves here. Um, uh, I guess probably the, the, the highlight one is uh, the, the shocking, shocking hire of Liam Cohen as uh, offensive this coordinator. This is brand new information yeah i had no idea buffet quotes (laughs) my goodness i just completely out of left field could not have imagined uh that that would happen um also interesting though greg olson coming back as as an offensive assistant uh uh, uh, somebody who's uh well he's been with the rams before was actually a, a part of jeff fisher's uh staff i believe and uh so Maybe adding a little bit different element there, Jordan. I don't want to go through all of these because literally there's like ten of them here. But I, I just kind of want to throw it open to you. The running backs coach, very a very interesting hire. Rashad Samples coming in um, uh, to work with Thomas Brown shifting over to tight ends. Um, what should we know about uh, uh, some of these moves? And do, do they say anything? Do they reflect anything uh, about this staff or, or where the Rams want to go in 2022? Yeah, when I got the text about Greg Olson a couple of weeks ago, it really tripped me up because I covered tight end Greg Olson in right. Carolina, and he's obviously retired and doing great things as a as a TV analyst. And I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I saw that it was an O and not an E at the end, and I was right. like, "Oh, this matters. <laughs> this is an important important <laughs> Details, vowel <yes>. change. Yeah, <laughs> important vowel change." Um, but yeah, so what what is interesting with him and with Jake Peets, um, who is going to do be doing some quality control stuff, is. I got the sense that Zach Robinson was actually promoted a little bit. Um, he was a assistant quarterbacks coach, and I think he's going to be taking a larger role alongside Liam Cohen and and Jake Peets and Greg Olson. I think it's kind of interesting because they will have they will have roles and they will have input and, and insight, obviously. But I 
I know this is true for Pete's. I I think this is true for for Greg Olson that both of their previous teams still I think owe them some back pay, mm. and so it's almost like in they're in like almost fellowship almost roles with the Rams. <laughs> I, I don't know really what word to call it. It's yeah. basically like hey, let's we can add these guys, and you know it, it's probably not going to cost us a ton of money, but we also want them around to see what to see what they'll contribute. And, um, so one, you know, they kind of want to, um, have them in the building. And of course, you know, if you get a chance to be on, on Sean McVay's staff, I mean, most people in the world would probably take that opportunity if, if they were offered it. Um, so, you know, I, I misspoke real quick. Greg Olson was actually brought in by by Sean McVay in 2017. I was was mistaking. Chris Wanky was the quarterback's coach in 2016. Oh, I haven't heard that name in a while. I forgot about that one. Uh, but so uh, even more, uh, you know, obviously there's some familiarity there. And like you said, Jordan, if you can bring him in, uh, as, as another brain in the room yeah. and it's not going to uh, cost you a lot of resources, then why not? Right. Yeah, that's pretty much. And so I, I kind of get, I don't know if fellowship's even the right word because it's a real position that they have and all of that. It's not like what Bonamego was doing last year as like kind of just advising or whatever. It's not going to be that like, it's really going to be in, you know, an actual role, but it also was not, it, it, it's a, it's a bonus ad, I think in that regard, because it's not like, you know, this position was totally vacant and now you have to fill it. And this is your, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a value add. So, um, so that's interesting. The, the trio of hires that I find interesting too, are the assistant coaches. And in one case, Joe DiCamillis, a special teams coordinator who made their own hires, um, for their assistants or for a different coach. So the big one here is Rashad Samples and Thomas Brown, who was moved to tight ends coach. Um, he he hired Rashad Samples. This is, yes, Sean McVay approves the hires, whatever, but this is a Thomas, this is specifically, and it was constructed this way, this is specifically a Thomas Brown hire. And, and that's important. Um, Eric Henderson, also who they were able to extend um, as, as, uh, D-line coach, which was absolutely crucial, I think, yeah. that they yeah, yeah. that they get that one done. Um, he also made his own hire in, in Skylar Jones for his assistant. His last assistant that he hired uh, is Marcus Dixon, who will now be the D-line coach for the Broncos. And so that is a little bit of a coaching tree to watch um, moving forward because Eric Henderson does have an eye for talent, and, and Marcus Dixon certainly proves that. Um, so, but, but back to, uh, and then, and then D Camille has hired, uh, Jeremy Springer. So the autonomy that these guys are, are having to hire their own guys, it's almost like if you can't or won't, and it's sometimes both can't or won't promote people, um, whether you've run out of titles or you will not promote them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another way I think that we're going to start seeing with Sean to try to keep people around. Um, there's all kinds of layers to that. I understand, but that is just my, my sense. Um, what I think is really, really important about the Rashad samples hire is even before. So we had a, our college staff was working on this and, and ha- had given me a heads up, which was really nice of them to do. And so I'm, I'm there, I'm like around all these people who probably know this guy. Right. So then you start asking, Hey, have you heard of this guy? What's, what's he all about? And just people just raved about him, like really kind of rare for someone who is relatively new to coaching and and very young and is rising, you know, through the college, specifically college ranks at to hear that him be so well known and also raved about at the combine, which is an NFL event. And so I thought that was really, really interesting. And to me, 
So every time a every time a coach gets um, bigger interviews, so like Thomas Brown interviewed for the Vikings OC job, and he also interviewed for the Miami head coaching job. Anytime a coach is in those interviews, people ask them in the interviews, what what staff would you put together? What would, what would your plan for a staff look like? And so even as early on as that, you as a as a coach are looking around and figuring out who you want to take with you, who you might have a good shot at, at taking with you, and who um, who are, are people who you can say and cite as like this is this is a person who I would want to hire, or this person from within this philosophical structure is a person that I would want to hire because of he would bring this and this, and you, you're already doing that. So to me, the fact that Thomas Brown specifically hired this guy. Rashad Samples uh, was at SMU and TCU most recently, tells me that we might be on the lookout not only for his his talent, his ability, and how he'll manage this running backs room, which faces a lot of questions this year, but also his pairing specifically with Thomas Brown, um, because Thomas Brown has a big future in this league, and it's it's an absolute fact. Um, and if things don't happen for him, we all you know it 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 it, it I think reflects incredibly poorly on the league itself. But as it stands, things in a vacuum, Thomas Brown has a big future in this league. And a lot of people know it. And a lot of people at the Combine were talking about it. And so I think that um, his specific hiring of Rashad Samples does point toward um, maybe that sort of pairing uh, that would be a longer-term partnership happening in the future, which I think is, is very good for the Rams in the short term. Um, or the, even the medium term, because right. if this is a guy who would demand that sort of notice, um, you definitely want him on your staff. <laughs> and and so I think that that part was really, really interesting. What a fascinating thing, Jordan. I'm not sure this had ever occurred to me, too, but it's almost like you talk about the Sean McVay coaching tree, right? But it's almost like empowering your assistant coaches to start developing their own little yeah. tree within a tree, little branches on the yeah. within the same tree, right? And and you're right. And and I think it speaks to the point we started out here is like you you have to expect if you're doing this right, you're you're going to lose guys. And and that's I know it's frustrating for fans to see and oh you you know you don't want to be changing coordinators all the time, changing position coaches, but like the alternative is your your team sucks and your coaching staff sucks and you're not <laughs> you know your guys aren't aren't being valued at all and you you don't want that either. Um so I, I think what the 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 ideal there is to to set up your you're almost setting up this like farm system with it within your uh staff to where these guys are either going to grow up and and take on positions in in your staff or they're going to know that they can grow and like you said jump when Thomas Brown eventually if he does you know jump to another team then hey he's going to take Rashad with him and and you know he's going to be a guy who can um, thrive on on another team it's it's just the way uh that it works and and it's you, you want that healthy um, feeling with within your uh, group. I mean, the thing that you have to watch out for, and there was an interesting one, Jordan. You mentioned it in your in your column today that uh, it looks like there's a possibility that um, I want I want to word this the right way. I don't I don't want my words to get parsed either. But um, uh, Chris Shula may. I'm reading exactly what you wrote. Chris Shula may move to a defensive backs coaching role alongside Jonathan Cooley, which is interesting in that Shula has not previously coached the position. 
and Cooley was blocked from joining Kevin O'Connell's staff in Minnesota. Look, let me be very clear. I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth, and I, I'm not going to uh, present it as though anybody's upset or anything like that. But that's the kind of thing you need to look out for, is if you develop a reputation for, for doing that and not allowing your guys not only to get moved up within your staff, but then you're blocking them from, from potentially you know making a lateral move that will allow them to rise quicker somewhere else. That's the kind of thing you got to watch out for. That's more harmful in your long term than it is, uh, you know, losing a position coach uh, every year. So I look, I don't, I'm, I will, as I prefaced it, I will end it by saying, I don't know any of the particulars of that situation, but I'm just saying in general, that's the kind of thing you need to look out for when you're doing what they're doing with some of these other guys like Thomas Brown, Eric Henderson saying, Hey, we're going to empower you more. We're going to let you pick the people who you're working with. We're going to let you start to develop your own little tree there, your own little shrub, I guess we could call it. that's the that's a good thing that that's a healthy thing within your organization that i think you want to foster so very interesting and i wonder how much that happens around the league if at all because it it sounds like a pretty smart thing to do yeah and that's that it's a good question that you posed it would probably make for um, a good story honestly is to see that and how that process kind of came about because again sometimes that what we've talked about with mcveigh in the past is like sometimes sometimes you can help uh, these guys leaving sometimes you can't and right. and so in the in the ways that you can help what are the leverages that you're able to exercise as a head coach you kind of saw it last year Thomas Brown was getting a lot of interest from college teams and everything last year and um you know you you saw the the title changes a lot of these guys on the staff who did stay you saw the title changes and sometimes that's I think the more traditionalist way to to either get a guy a bonus or to give him another title, which would imply um, more responsibilities um, and should translate into more responsibilities. But in the actual physical, what else can you do, not just to keep a guy around, but to also that is a value add for the team itself in the immediate term. And I think this is a, this is a solution. I think this is an answer because you want those guys, you want those talented guys, but you also want to make sure that um, that your your coaches are receiving the benefits that you have promised them if they stick around. Right. And so I think that that is is really really important. Um, and it is interesting because they they manifest like the Sean McVay coaching tree and all of its sort of little um, undergrowth essentially <laughs> is, is kind of <laughs> like what's what's happening here. Like it's right. it's really really interesting. I think it I think it absolutely makes the team stronger to do it this way. And it it widens the pool of coaches that you are introduced to and and interact with. And I think that's also important too. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, such a fascinating. I know. Isn't that interesting? I was like, damn, I should write about that. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Get on that before anybody else steals your idea. Um, No, no, they'll just uh, aggregate it out of context. Aggregate it. Yes. Rodrigue said this has never been tried what? before anywhere I, in the I, NFL. I, I was like on taking a walk this morning and I was like, I did not say this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking yeah, at my exactly. phone. I was like, what is happening right now? Uh, yeah. Reading is hard sometimes, Jordan. It's, it's been, it's a hard. Monday. It's yeah, Monday. It's, it's a, Monday for everyone. I'm sure it was an honest mistake. It's, yeah. it's Monday for everyone. Well, it's, it's good to be back with everybody. And uh, we should say we're going to have a bonus episode. Yeah. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about that? We probably don't want to give too much away. Way, but uh, 
I won't give too much away, but we're going to have two guests on this week for a special bonus episode of 11 Personnel, and we're going to be talking about a book that I am a huge fan of that uh, these two people co-wrote and is a fascinating snippet of football history and also Los Angeles football history that I would bet many are not aware of that I certainly was not aware of before reading this book. Um, and I am so, so excited to to that we get to share this with you guys and that it's a bonus episode after we took our little hiatus. Um, so really, really looking forward to that. We're going to be doing that on Thursday. So you guys know to keep an eye out for it. We'll be sharing out lots of information um, and lots of context. And in the meantime, it's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, really looking forward. And, and a, part, uh, put a, a part of the football history that I really wasn't that familiar with either, of, even though I've, I've lived here my, my whole life. So I'm really excited to, to dive into that. And, and then we'll be back. As Jordan said, the, the wheel never stops spinning in Greg the NFL. Gaines never stops moving. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, cover your ears on this. But the free agency period uh, opens on March 16th. Um, so we will be back uh, shortly to, to cover all of that. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Rams news in the interim. And we'll see where they are once, uh, once those floodgates open and uh, free agency begins. But uh, Jordan, uh, fantastic run continues for you uh just amazing coverage at the at the combine and like i said everybody should go check out uh this latest column goes into even more detail on some of the stuff that uh that we've been talking about and of course you should follow along every day with jordan on twitter at jordan rodrigue you can follow me at rich underscore hammond i don't have a lot to talk about these days there's no uniform oh we're gonna get a new uniform at some point yes, uh, there, i was gonna say yes you yeah. will my friend you're oh gonna boy have a- <laughs> i can't wait is it gonna be uh, yellow is it gonna be black is it gonna be white and blue what's it gonna be everybody i can't wait to see um and of course if you are if you are a subscriber to the athletic thank you very much we do appreciate you um if you're not already a subscriber boy do we have good news for you because you can go right now to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. Join, get all of Jordan's great coverage, all of our great coverage at The Athletic. And you can get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, a great discount. My favorite thing in the world. <laughs> We're doing it again. Yeah, it's still going. Uh, it's We still haven't been found out, so it's pretty great. And anytime you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you can get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount every single time. And we appreciate you guys. We definitely, we really loved, we got to uh, teach a class or a seminar in person. 11 Personnel was in person uh, yes. this, this last week, which was really cool, finally getting to see Rich. And it, it just made us really excited and also feel racked with guilt that we had not released an episode for the two weeks previously. Um, So hopefully you guys will get your fill this week with two episodes. Do not forget to look for us again on Thursday. And as always, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. And it, it is going to be another fun and probably darkly chaotic year. You can't wait.